So, what I want to talk about tonight is something that's pretty exciting. I want to talk about talking to strangers. <laughs> um, and more specifically, how, how do we relate to, to unbelievers in our lives? How do we connect with them? Because it's, it's so easy to fall into the trap of, you, you, you can fall into one of, two di- or one of two ditches. One is that you just take on the mentality that I'm the, the big loud evangelist who's going to bring everyone to Jesus. And like, it becomes more of your business instead of your lifestyle. And you just make it about numbers. Like, oh man, I had, I had someone come to the Lord, know the Lord this week. That's awesome. But if you just make it about the numbers, that's not going to get you anywhere. The other ditch is that I don't, I don't care. Like, you can do what you want with your life. Those are the kind of two ditches where you're either really passive or you're aggressive. Um, so how do, we, how do we find Jesus' heart in relating to unbelievers and when, they're, when these unbelievers are our friends, how do we, how do we connect with them and, and take them somewhere with the Lord? So, um, something that I've been learning in this season of life, and I feel like the older I get, the more I realize this thing, is that relationships are complicated. Relationships are really complicated. <laughs> and whether this relationship be a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, a friend relationship, a relationship with your parents, or relationship with strangers. Relationships are really complicated because they matter, because they matter a lot. Um, and so I'm just taking a, a small piece of that tonight and talking about that, and that small piece is relating to unbelievers and strangers and people like that. So my goal is to develop uh, some roles of engagement, how to connect with people, how to connect with people uh, who think differently than us, who uh, have had a different life experience than us, who believe different things than us. Um, That's what we're going to do. Jesus modeled it so well, connecting with people. But there's just a lot in there that we need to to pick apart quite a bit more. Um, Jesus modeled it, and I want to live it. Um, I could name quite a handful of people who are a lot better at making friends than I am, honestly. But... uh, Still, I want to, want to get better at this. So that's, that's why I want to dig into this tonight. Um, so to begin, how we, we need to start with creating God's perspective, finding God's perspective in this issue for us. How does God see these people? Basically, let's answer that question. Um, how does, how does the Lord, so uh, for instance, Corinthians chapter 2 talks about the mind of Christ, like taking on the mind of Christ, and it's that simple perspective of the Lord's heart, because if we can understand how the Lord sees us, and if we can understand how the Lord sees unbelievers in our lives, then we can go places, then the Lord can use us. Um, so to do that, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1, uh, I'm going to read verses 5 to 10. <clears throat> And this isn't directly talking about unbelievers, but it's talking about righteousness. So, let's see what we can get out of this. First <clears throat> John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Remember that word fellowship. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It feels like he's kind of repeating himself over and over again, just to emphasize the point that there's light and darkness, and we have a choice between those two, and so does everyone else. And if we choose light, then we can have fellowship with one another and with Jesus Christ. There's righteousness that we can gain through that. But also, we have fallen short. Look at the person next to you and say, we have fallen short. Al, we've fallen short. We've fallen short of the grace of God. Um, And this is the reality that we live with. Uh, But Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that we didn't have enough. He knew that we didn't have what it took to, to live a life of righteousness, connect with others and connect with the Lord. And for that reason, he came. He came in the flesh to live it out. And he came not just for us, but he came for the world. He came for everyone. And this is the perspective that we have to approach those around us, our friends or strangers who are unbelievers, that the Lord came for the world. The Lord came for the world. And yeah, like I said, fellowship in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with one another. That was the Lord's heart. John 15 talks about, um, it's Jesus, or actually no, later in John, I think it's 17 or something, Jesus is praying and he's saying, Father, you and me and I and you, but them with us too, basically is what he's saying. That didn't have to rhyme, but it did. Um, it's, it's, it's Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, and us, all knit together, all bound together in the love of Christ. Um, that's the reality. That's the fellowship that we get to live with. That's the fellowship that, is, that we can make our goal. But something I want to look at as well is that these verses can be misapplied. If we take these verses from the aggressive approach to evangelism, we can come out at a different spot. And at first reading, I like this was what came to my mind when I first read this passage. Uh, so it's talking about sin. If we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's thrown around this, this sin word a lot. And it's so easy to beat people over the head with that word. It really is. And it's happened, and it happens today. And so let's change that. Instead of having the perspective of, I'm the insider, you're the outsider, let's approach this as the Lord does, as Jesus does, where I'm living in sin. I'm not living in sin. I've chosen to receive the love of Christ, and he's taken that away. And the Lord, like that is your, that's an opportunity for you too. Approaching it from that perspective Allows, uh, allows us to see it as not, I, uh, I'm, I'm good and you're bad, and that's how life is. It's instead, I'm good because of, not because of my own strength, but because of what Jesus has done, and I want to invite you into this too. So uh, 
the next two verses are really important as well. Let's uh, read chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. For the whole world. He's a propitiation and an advocate for the whole world. Let that change us. Let that change how we interact with the people around us. Let that change how we relate to our business partners or the people who we meet in the grocery store or you know, the, our friends at school, whatever that may look like. He is an advocate for them too. It's just they haven't understood it. We all have an advocate. Um, that word advocate, uh, in the Greek, it's parakletus. It sounds a lot cooler when you go on a Bible gateway and press the, like, the microphone button. And, but it's uh, parakletus, and it's like, it, it's, it's a, it can be applied as a legal term as you know, an advocate, someone who goes before a judge to advocate for someone. And that's what Jesus did. And it talks about, like, it's used for the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. It's the same word, Paracletus. He comes for us, and he fills, he fills the gap. He fills the gap. And, and so what I want to understand to a greater degree is, number one, that Jesus has done that for me. He's my advocate. But also, he's their advocate too. And our, our goal, I, I see in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I see in that um, a challenge to invite people into community, a challenge to invite, to, to say, you have an advocate. This is his name. His name's Jesus. If you serve him, if you love him, he's going to advocate for you and change your life. That's, that's our goal in the Great Commission. It can be seen so many different ways, but let's look at it from that perspective. And it, we won't fall into the trap of misapplication where we just hurt people with, with the sin word, where we just throw sin at people to control them. That's not the Lord's heart. So, yeah, a, a, passive, um, a passive approach to these verses. So let's, I, I want to break it down into like passive, passive-aggressive, aggressive, and assertive, because it's like a psychological thing that people do. Um, and so like if we approach these verses, or you could even look at... Uh, um, evangelism in general, if we approach him from, from these different perspectives, what do we end up with? And what should we strive for? So a passive approach avoids conflict, right? So you, you meet a friend and they bring up the Lord and you're like, uh, yeah, oh, the weather's pretty nice out there, isn't it? You know, like um, where you kind of just brush it off and you don't make, make you, you make light of it. And it's coming from the approach that I'm not responsible for your Christianity. I'm not responsible for your relationship with the Lord. A too passive approach to evangelism, you end up with that. Where it's like, I'm living my life, you live your life, we'll be fine. And that's not what I see in the Lord. That's not what I see in the Word. That's not what I see Jesus do. Jesus, that's not what I see that Jesus did. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, an aggressive approach, like I said before, 
It's, it's the approach that says, you have to change, and I'm responsible for that. that and, and you use words like sin, words like hellfire, unrighteousness, to, to, to twist their arm, to bring, you know, to control people into doing things that are not of the Lord's heart. And so let's avoid that too. Let's avoid that too. A passive-aggressive approach is pretty interesting. It keeps people at an arm's length, whereas like, I'm clean, you're not, so I'm going to keep you at an arm's length. But I'm still responsible for you, but I don't have any power to change you. And so it's this weird relationship where I'm supposed to love you, but I can't. It's, it's not good. It's not good. Um, so, but honestly, if I look at my own life and think about the interactions that I've had with strangers with, or, or friends, um, people who I've, who I've befriended who, who are unbelievers, like, it's easy to see some of these three things in, in how I interact with them, where I avoid a topic or I avoid, you know, talking, you know, digging deeper into something that they bring up or, or I get too aggressive and just pushy with, with my ideology, uh, ideology or, or something like that. And so, like, I feel like we can go there, but taking a step back and choosing Jesus' approach is where we're going to find life. Um, and so what, what I did, I did something really cool. It was a lot of fun. So uh, with uh, our basic group at QQ College, we met, it would have been like a week and a half ago on a Wednesday, and uh, I talked about this, like how do we relate to our friends who are unbelievers? It's a really applicable thing to people at school because almost all of our friends don't know the Lord, but we see the result of sin in their life. We see the result of, of walking in darkness um, in their life, and we want to help them just in practical ways. And so what we did, we looked at some, uh, some stories from the Gospels of Jesus, examples of Jesus, things like um, how Jesus interacted with uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, how Jesus, how Jesus healed the lepers, how Jesus responded when he was persecuted, how Jesus responded when, uh, the, when he was in his hometown and, the, and his relatives like, cast him out of the city. So how did Jesus respond, and how can we live like that? Remember I said rules of engagement? That's this part right here. So some things that we came up with were, number one, it's going to be five things. Recognize personal dignity. Recognize personal dignity within the people around you, unbelievers or believers, because Jesus did. Because Jesus did. Think about how he related with this Samaritan woman, like I mentioned before at the well. He just came up and said, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink? And it created conversation, and he heard from the Lord's heart on, like, give her a prophetic word. Anyway, um, it's, it's just, you see the Lord's heart of, you, are, you deserve honor. And so, um, let's do that in how we relate to people. Another big thing is he set aside cultural norms for relationship. I feel like I could do that. I feel like I need to do that in my life, where the, the norms of bubbles, you know, my bubble is here and your bubble is there, um, but connecting with people and being a friend is something that, that can be so practical. And the Lord, like, he did all of the wrong things. <laughs> Jesus, when he was here, he, healed, he touched lepers. And his interaction with Matthew, the Chosen series, uh, the, the video series has really displayed that in a really interesting way. Matthew and in his life, 
um, he was a tax collector. And nobody liked tax collectors. None of the Jews liked tax collectors. And yet Jesus invited him into his fold, you know, and took him under his wing and loved him and poured into him. Um, okay, number three, place others above yourself. How big is that? Like, again, it, that, if you, just that one thing, that will completely crush the, the aggressive mentality of uh, you're my project and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make you come into the kingdom of God. Place others above yourself. That's what Jesus did. Um, and lastly, number five, have faith on behalf of the culturally insignificant. Was that four? You're right. Okay, I have one more after this. Have faith on behalf of the culturally in- insignificant. There's a lot in there, but it's believing for, for more, praying, having faith, activating your faith for those who culture would say that don't deserve it. I feel like we, can, we, can, we need that. We need that in how we interact with the people around us. Number five. There we go, Crystal. Rejoice in persecution. Not everyone's going to love it. Not everyone's going to, like... We can't be everyone's friend. Let's be honest with that, okay? Um, and there are things that we're going to say that are going to offend people, and that's just a fact of life. Jesus took that as a risk. He, not everyone loved him. I, I think it would be really interesting to, you know, see some statistics on Jesus' popularity because it would look really interesting. Um, not everyone loved Jesus, and not everyone's going to love us, but at the same time, doing community we can do our best to, to just love people. And that's going to look abrasive to some people. Okay, so be it. So those three, five things. If you're writing them down, I'm going to run over them real quickly. Recognize personal dignity. That's number one. Number two, set aside cultural norms for relationship. Number three, place others above yourself. Number four, have faith on behalf of the culturally insignificant. And number five, rejoice in persecution. So out of all these things, love is the pivot point. We can recognize that. Love is the center of it all. Just look at 1 Corinthians 13. It suffers long and it's, it's patient and kind. And in the midst of struggle, it, it continues. And so out of all of this, we, we can't create anything on our own. There's, there's not one grape, as Penn says. There's not one grape that we can produce on our own, on our own strength, but through Jesus, through the Lord, through love, the, the love that Jesus emulated, we can create that around us, because I want to see wholeness and fruitfulness come to my friends. Yeah. I want to see that happen. You know, I, I, I have connections and people who are struggling. They really are struggling with insecurity, with addiction, um, just with the rigors of life. And I want to see the Lord touch them, encounter them in a, in a real way. And so applying these, these five things and, and understanding that they have an advocate and inviting them into that, by doing that, we can, we can bring kingdom to earth in our daily interactions. Um, one last thing that I want to point out is praying for them face-to-face like we did tonight, is really, really cool. It's a really awesome thing that we can do because it's, it's, getting, it's going out there. It's like, 
I'm, I'm going to have faith in front of you. I'm going to show you that I have faith for you. So much so that I'm going to pray to my God, who I believe is going to change your life and activate. It sparks something within them. It's like, wow, they actually think about me when we're not together. And when we're not together, they, they care about me when, when we're not hanging out. You know what I mean? So pray for them. If, they, if, like they, if they're going through something and they just bring it up, maybe it's just an offhand comment. Oh, yeah, man, this real own relationship is so hard. Hey, can I pray for you? Let's pray for it. Let's just pray for that right now. And don't make it awkward. Don't belabor it. Don't just sit around. Just say, God's going to come and touch this. Touch this situation. And then it, it creates faith, expectation, right? It creates an expectation. Oh, wow. What would, what would that look like if God would actually come and change this situation? So pray for them. Pray for your friends, both in your prayer closet and face-to-face with them. Highly encourage that. Yeah, faith propagates. It's good. So in closing, the three key points in how to interact with the unbelievers in our lives is having compassion for them just like Jesus does, seeing them through his lens of they have an advocate just like we do that who, who cares for them and who wants to invite them into family. That's the goal. That's the goal of the, uh, of the Great Commission. It's family. It's fellowship. Taking on God's perspective um, using Jesus' roles of engagement, just seeing how he interacted with people, unbelievers, strangers, crazy people. He did some wild things, and let's do that too. Um, it's a lot of risk. Uh, and number three, activate faith. Let faith uh, be the center of it. Display that, show that to your friends. Um, go after those kinds of things with the people around us because the Lord wants to touch those around us. And it just creates fruitfulness, um, rest in the Lord for us. So that's what I have. Let's, let's interact with people who um, aren't, aren't used to the environment that we come from. Let's love people in a way that, they're, that makes them uncomfortable. Let's go after uh, those things this week in our lives today. Cool. Uh, let's stand together. We're going to close. Father, we thank you for just this evening, just being able to get together and spend time with you, spend time with each other. Thank you that we are your church. We're your people. Thank you for the way that you care for us. Father, I thank you as well for our, our connections, our friends who, who don't know you, who haven't experienced your love. God, I ask that you would give us tools. God, set things in our hands. Give us faith to believe for, for positive change in their lives. Give us your perspective. Help us to understand how you see them. Give us practical ways to approach that. God, I thank you that you care about our, our day-to-day, and I pray that this week would just be an awesome week of connecting with you, connecting with friends, connecting with, with everyone around us, for everyone here this week. Take us somewhere, God. Take us somewhere that we haven't been before. We love you and we're so grateful for your heart.